0: Today's guy not want to. I mean, you know, I know you're thinking about it, so why not talk about it, right? Uh, we're going to talk about it though in a context where it's safe, where we can be honest with each other, and hopefully you'll be able to take something away from this that will help uh, lay a foundation for where you go from here. Um, how many of you guys know that you are a sexual being? Okay, if you're not raising your hand, let me tell you, you're a sexual being. How many of you know that that was on purpose? Okay, good. A lot of us don't realize that. I mean, believe it or not, I mean, I grew up in, uh, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a, in a context where I was being taught God's Word. I was being taught the truth. But I didn't actually realize that my sexuality was like by design. It wasn't sort of... A mistake. It wasn't something that God just kind of went, Oh no, man, I made them sexual. It was actually on purpose. And I want to share with you a little bit of my story because I think it's probably going to relate to some of what you guys maybe either are going through or possibly will go through. And I want to help you try to maybe avoid some of the pitfalls that I came across. And then I'm going to give you three fundamental truths that will hopefully help you in being able to navigate some of the struggles and the temptations that are going to come along regarding your sexuality. When I was a 12-year-old kid, uh I not less than 10 miles from where we are right now, I was uh I spent the night at a friend's house and it was a it was a Saturday morning and we got up and we were playing in the woods out behind his house. And we started, you know, this. you know how it gets in the summertime, it gets hot here. And so about, I don't know, about 10 o'clock in the morning, we decided to start heading back toward his house to get something to drink. And as we're going back to his house, my friend is walking in front of me, and he stops and he he turns and he goes, oh man, I just forgot. I wanted to show you something. So with that, we took off and we started heading out into this open field. And he's walking in front of me, and quite honestly, what's going through my mind as as I'm following him is, We're going to see something dead. That's what I was thinking. There's got to be like a deer or a raccoon or something out here. And he kept heading for this tree stump that was out in the middle of this field. And he kind of picked up the pace. I didn't pick up the pace because I was thinking, what's the rush on seeing something that's dead? You know, seeing things that were dead before. So anyway, I, I, he gets to this tree stump. I get up there, and I, he's reaching his hand down in this hollowed out section of this tree stump. And I hear dry leaves crackling. Well, he pulls his hand out, and there's this rolled up magazine. Still, I'm thinking, you, you know, we haven't seen anything dead yet. What's the deal? Well, he opens this magazine, and it's porn. I'd never seen porn before, so I didn't have any idea what was going on here. But two things happened in me simultaneously. The first reaction that I had was sort of one of, of fear or guilt. I immediately felt a sense to like look over my shoulder like I just knew I'm probably not supposed to be looking at this. But simultaneous with that feeling was this overwhelming excitement. Like something inside me had woken up. That sexuality part of my being had woken up. And I wanted to see more. And so for about the next five or ten minutes, we thumbed through that magazine. And the whole time I'm kind of teetering back and forth between this feelings of guilt and feelings of, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. Well, after about uh, ten minutes, he rolled the magazine back up and he put it back in the tree stump and we walked off that field. And... I was totally different, though. Because I was walking off that field and I was carrying a new secret. Because I didn't think I could tell anybody about it. I didn't know who I could tell. I figured if I tell my parents, I'm probably going to get in trouble. That's just kind of how I thought. The guilt feeling is thinking that my parents were certainly going to say, absolutely that's wrong, and then I'd be punished for it. And I figured, well, if I told my parents, it probably means that my friend would get in trouble, because then they'd ask, where did you find it? And then they'd talk to his parents. So I just didn't tell my parents. I never even crossed my mind to tell my sister. Let's just be weird, right? And I didn't think, I couldn't tell my friends. Why would they be bothered by it? They're the ones showing it to me. So I just stuffed it. I didn't tell anybody about it. But what that did, that encounter with pornography, what that woke up inside of me, it planted a seed inside of me that would eventually lead to a 13-year sexual addiction. Because see, from that moment on, I just had this overwhelming curiosity to know more about what I had seen in that magazine. And so I started searching through my house to try to find more of this material, this magical material called pornography. And I looked in all the places that my friends told me to look, which would be like Dad's sock drawer. I looked under my parents' bed. I looked in their closet. I looked in our attic. I looked in the barn. I looked in the garage. I looked everywhere I could think of in our house. Nothing. There wasn't even one picture or page of pornography. Now, you, you would think at that point in time, in my childhood, I would have gotten up and I would have just praised my dad and said, Way to go, Dad, for doing your job and like keeping this stuff out of the house. But that's not what I did. I was frustrated. I was like, man, some of my friends, their dads have porn like, on the coffee table. Well, there was something in my house that was enough for me to get started, and it was just basically a JCPenney catalog, and there was a lingerie section in there. And I started developing these fantasies around those lingerie models, secretly, of course. I wouldn't tell anybody about what was going on. And shortly after that, I discovered masturbation. And so then I started combining pornography and fantasy and masturbation. And these kind of became the building blocks of what would eventually become an addiction to pornography and sex. Now, you have to realize that during this whole time, I was... Um, a prominent member of the youth group at this church. I grew up going to this church. Uh, we came to Temple in 1983 when there were maybe about 20 families part of Temple Bible Church. And so I was part, our family was part of just all this growth of Temple Bible Church. I was going to this church. I was involved in this youth ministry. Not this one, but this church's youth ministry. I was involved. But you know what? I was hiding. I wasn't telling anybody about what I was doing. All through junior high and high school, there was this secret that was growing and that was gnawing at me. And you know what? Nobody would have known it. Because I knew how to hide well. And unfortunately, it was actually within the walls of the church that I learned how to hide well. Put on your Sunday vest which in my mind meant you smile and you just tell everybody, I don't have a problem in the world, everything's great. And if it's not, I'll just have more faith and everything will be fine. But I just didn't tell anybody. A lot of it had to do with fear because certainly as I started getting more material, because see, eventually JCPenney catalogs just didn't do it for him anymore. And so I had to move to more... Softcore and then hardcore pornography, and I would hide these pages behind my the, the headboard in my waterbed and just pray that my mother wouldn't find those back there. And I just kept doing these things secretly that I knew were wrong. I knew these things were wrong. I knew these were not the way that I was supposed to be acting, and yet I didn't feel like I had any sort of safe place in which I could tell anybody about it. Well, after uh, high school, went into college, got new sense of freedom, because once I got into college, I'm not in the house anymore. I'm not under my parents' rules. And so, although, quite honestly, I mean, I had a great childhood. My parents weren't, like, overly demanding or anything. And, but in a kid's mind, for me, it was, boy, it's oppressive, you know. <laughs> Lots of rules. What I didn't realize is when I got into college, I was thinking that I had more freedom What I didn't understand at the time is just because you have more freedom doesn't mean that you then have less responsibility. In fact, like the more freedom you're given, the more responsibility that's expected of you. So when you're able to start making decisions about what you're doing with your time and your money and your conversations and your body, then guess what? There's actually a higher expectation, a greater responsibility that's expected of you to manage those things well. Well, I didn't get any of that. I didn't understand any of that. And I didn't really care when I was in college. The problem, though, is that this problem got bigger. This issue with pornography. Eventually it, led, it went beyond pornography and I started having sexual relationships with girls in college. And um, I'll tell you something that if any of you are experiencing this right now, to any sort of degree, it will only get worse over time. And that is, if you have any sort of thing concerning, like, pornography or fantasy, masturbation, any of those sorts of things that you are currently hiding, it creates a sort of dividedness in you. In other words, there's the person you're presenting to everybody outside, the image that you're presenting. But then there's, like, that part deep down inside of you, that part that knows what you're doing. It's a divided, it causes you to be divided. In that dividedness, if you don't do anything about that, It will only get worse over time. That dividedness will only grow. And you know what? The more that dividedness grows in you, the greater tension that that will create in your life. And the reason for that is that God didn't design anybody. He did not make a single human being to ever live a divided life. He says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. In other words, let it all hang out, so to speak. The Bible tells us that if you say you are without sin, you are a liar and the truth is not in you. We've got to be honest and just say, you know what? Yeah, I struggle. Yeah, I've goofed up. Yeah, I'm messing with this stuff. Yeah, I've looked at pornography. You know what? Yeah, I'm looking at pornography right now. I've got this problem on the Internet. I've got this problem with compulsive masturbation. I've got this problem with letting these thoughts just run through my mind. We need to be honest about that so that we don't allow that dividedness to grow in us. Because the only place that sin can grow is in the dark. And so when you let that remain in the dark, it just grows and grows and grows. By the time I was in college, this dividedness was huge in me. I was leading Bible studies at one of the campus ministries at the school there during the day. I kind of called that daytime me. But at night, I was on the other side of town doing things that I made sure the daytime me people didn't know about. And so I had this huge uh, balancing act that I was doing all throughout college. Since nobody likes dividedness, we weren't made to live that way, you're going to try to find solutions. The problem is you're going to probably do like I did, and you're going to try to find solutions on your own, privately, where nobody can know. Well, that's no different than what you're doing in the secret with the pornography and all of that. Well, I did the same thing. I wanted a solution. When I was a junior in college, I thought I found the solution. She was a freshman, and I started dating this girl, and she was amazing. She, everything about her was great, and I thought, I thought like a lot of single guys do, that, you know what, if I just meet the right girl, if I meet this perfect woman, then, and then if I get married to her, then everything about my sexual struggles will be taken care of. That's... Fun to think about, but it's false. Okay, there's no woman that can actually solve your problem with lust. She, God, never designed a woman to solve your problem with lust. Uh, I love what Matt said earlier. You know what? Christ is the solution. If you want to, if you want the solution to your issue with lust, Christ is the solution to that. Well, I was still wanting to find a solution on my own, in my own wisdom, in my own power, and I thought she'd be it. Let me ask you a question. When I met this girl, which one of me do you think I presented to her? Daytime me or nighttime me? Yeah, yeah, I think you guys got it. I'm not, I mean, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but also I understand the negative impact it can have if you go up to a girl and say, Hi, my name is Jonathan. Listen, I masturbate all the time. I look at pornography. I've slept with a lot of these girls on this campus. And you know what? But I'd like to go out with you. You want to go out Friday? It usually doesn't fly well, okay? Instead, I'd go up and I'd turn on Daytime Me? Because quite honestly, you know what? Daytime Me was pretty charming. Why? Because Daytime Me is perfect. The image is perfect. You can you can get very skilled at presenting a perfect image. But that's all it is. It's an image. It's a facade. It's like those old movies, or the old western movies where they show Main Street there, you know? Well, if they actually let you pan the cameras back, you see that the, they're all just boards held up by two-by-fours. They're facades. They're not real. And that's what the image is. Well, I presented that image. I did it well. And it would, it would have been hard for this girl not to fall in love with the image of daytime me. I mean, heck, he was a pretty cool guy. He had it all together. The problem is, is we started getting more serious about our dating. And this is a problem you will face if you are presenting daytime me to the world Guess what? It's not going to be too long before some girl is going to latch onto that and want to move toward that and gonna say, Wow, this guy's cool. Wow, this guy's a really neat guy. Wow, he's so genuine and real. The problem is, is it's not you. See, it wasn't me. It was the tip of the iceberg, and it looked great. But it didn't show everything else that was underneath the surface. As we continued to date, it got more serious. And we then started talking about marriage. And I felt those old feelings of guilt. Because I was realizing, you know what? I'm totally duping this girl. She's falling in love with the image of me. She's not actually falling in love with me. So I decided one day I needed to at least tell her something of my history. Something of my, what's underneath the surface. And so we went to a restaurant and I sat her down and we were talking and I just basically jumped right into it and I said, I'm not a virgin. I said, listen, if we're going to talk about being married, I need you to know I'm not a virgin. So I said, that started about a two-week cooling off period in our dating relationship. I didn't hear from her. I didn't get a phone call. She didn't visit. And I thought, you know what? Okay, that's the kiss of death for this relationship. And I totally understood it. I realized, hey, you know what? That was my fear of letting any of this stuff out. Anyway, is that I'd be rejected. That's one of the reasons why I think we keep it all a secret. Because we think, man, if I tell anybody that I have this sin in my life, that I have done these things in my life, then they're going to write me off and say, whoo, Keep an arms length away from that guy. I don't have anything to do with him." And so I understood it also I understood because she was an incredibly virtuous wonderful woman who was saving herself for marriage that I figured yeah why would she want to marry somebody like me who's defiled well anyway about two weeks later she called me up and she said Jonathan listen I've been thinking about what you said and I want to respond to it but I don't want to do this over the phone can we meet in person So I remember driving to where we were going to meet and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. She's truly the most amazing woman on the planet because, see, she's not going to break up with me over the phone. She's going to do it in person. That's what I was thinking, you know. She's a great, great gal. Well, I I get to the restaurant and she sits down and she says, just, Jonathan, I've been thinking about it. I've been praying about it. Yeah, this is hard for me. I've been crying about it. But you know what? The reality is I love you, so I want to go ahead and get married to you. Well, two things happened right then. Number one is I realized she was way out of my league, okay? This is an amazing woman. The second thing I realized, though, is that I made a conscious decision that I was not going to let anything else out about the secret. I wasn't going to tell her about the porn. I wasn't going to tell her about the masturbation. I wasn't going to tell her about any of that stuff. I figured if the statement, I am not a virgin, took two weeks to get over, man, if I gave anything else, I'm looking at like years before we might be able to get married if she gets over any of that stuff. So I just decided, you know what, I'm going to stuff it. And I had in my mind... The thought that a lot of guys have in their mind And it's not necessarily a wrong thought It's just an incomplete thought And the thought is this A fresh start Is all you need To live a life of purity It sounds so good, doesn't it? I mean, aren't we always taught that a fresh start is such a good thing? And, and it sounds good to say A fresh start is all I needed For a new life of purity The problem is a fresh start doesn't clean out the closet of everything that's in the dark. And so what I did was the closet door was firmly shut on all these things that I had done. I wasn't about to bring out those sins. I wasn't about to confess those sins. I was just saying, listen, let's have this fresh start with this wonderful woman and everything will be fine from there. Well, we got married and you know what? It worked. At least I thought it worked. I mean, for the first like five weeks we were married, I didn't have any problems with lust. I didn't have any problems with fantasies or any of these kinds of things. Um, But after that, I started realizing I didn't marry somebody just that's different from me. I married my complete opposite. She's totally opposite of me. And as those stressors started coming into my life of how opposite we were, guess who started whispering to me again? Nighttime me, who's hanging out in the closet the whole time that I never brought him out to kill him. <laughs> and so, nighttime me comes back, and guess what? I started getting involved again in just little, seemingly little things a fantasy here, masturbating in the shower, maybe looking up some porn, all these sorts of things that started coming back. Again, not telling anybody. Well, for the first four years of my marriage, it was an escalating. Uh, progression of eventually getting back into the porn, getting online. This was back when the Internet was brand new, so that tells you how old I am. Uh, and so back when you had a dial-up connection. You know, it took 30 minutes for a picture to download, but I didn't care. I was hooked, and I was back into it. Well, about uh, several years into our marriage, uh, they came out with this brand-new technology called Chat, okay? And I got totally hooked into that, and I started... Uh, connecting on, in sexual encounters online through chat. And eventually I crossed a line where I was in the chat room and I was talking with this woman and two little words came across the screen. Want to meet? I was being invited to cross another threshold into a deeper sense of sin and addiction. And so I said, yes, I met the woman we had sex and I started using the internet from that point in time to start having anonymous sexual encounters with people that I'd meet online guys I'm telling you your lust will never be satisfied I don't care how many times you give it what it is asking for it will never be satisfied I gave my lust fantasy when I was a 12 year old kid it said I want more I gave my lust masturbation. It said, you know what, I want more. I started giving my lust softcore, hardcore pornography. It said, you know what, I want more. I started giving my lust premarital sex. It said, you know what, I want more. I started giving my lust everything it wanted. When I got married, I told myself, okay, listen, I've crossed a lot of boundaries in my life, but I absolutely will not cross the boundary of cheating on my wife. And the lust said, no, 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 I want more. And so I ended up crossing that boundary and betraying the trust of my wife by having affairs. Well, you know what? Even after I started having these affairs, you would think that would be the point at which I came to my senses, right? i go, good grief, what am I doing? That'd be the point of brokenness, where eventually I start realizing what it's going to take to get on my knees before God and have an attitude of humility and accept help for what I need to do. Well, that wasn't the point. See, I wasn't yet ready to let the secret out. I was still full of pride. I still thought I could do this on my own. But even what I told myself, is I said, you know what, even though I've had these affairs, I will never, ever, ever cross any sort of legal lines concerning my sexuality. Until one day, I was in a chat room. And I was talking with this woman and, I was, and she, didn't, she didn't want to meet. And I started talking with another woman and she didn't want to meet and I was getting frustrated. I, was trying, I wanted a fix. It's like a drug. I wanted a fix. I wanted to meet with somebody and have an affair and it didn't happen. And I started driving the streets and I picked up a prostitute and I crossed a legal boundary. I broke the law in order to give my lust what it wanted. Your lust will never be satisfied. You know, we're told in the Scriptures that we are to crucify our sinful nature with its passions and lusts. We are to crucify it. We're not to, like, debate it. We're not to argue with it. We're not to have any sort of, like, conversation with it. We're to kill it. And a lot of, what I did through all these years was I just kept trying to say, listen, you can, you can exist here, but come on, we got, just don't ask me to go over these lines. But as long as you let that sin stay in the dark, it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, eventually the truth came out. My wife found out. Um, and basically she left. She said, I'm not going to be party of this anymore. I've drawn a line in the sand. I know everything that you've done. I'm not going to do this anymore. And She left. And that was actually the catalyst that I needed to wake up. I hope none of you ever reach that point. Not in the way that I had to. I hope you never reach a point where you have betrayed the trust of someone who has committed their life to you. I hope that you never reach the point Where you hear the words from a woman that you love dearly say, I don't want to ever see you or speak to you ever again. I hope it doesn't take that for you to get on your knees and say, I'm not going to say that the truth isn't in me. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be a liar. I'm going to say, yeah, I have sin and it needs to be dealt with. I hope that you will not let it get to a point where your world crumbles, where your marriage is shattered, where you almost lose your job, where your reputation is ruined, where you are humiliated in the community. I hope it doesn't reach that point. But even if it does, the praise is in that God can restore you at whatever point you break. God can change your heart. You know, it took me going to that point. And I thank God that it did take me going to that point because whatever point it needed to go to, it got my attention. And it finally got me realizing the damage that I was doing, the selfishness in which I was living my life. See, that's another thing that lust will do. Lust will get you to where you are only looking at yourself and only looking out for yourself. The whole paradigm of sexual addiction, of pornography addiction, is you in the center, self in the center, and everything else revolving around you. And you know what? The longer you stay in that sort of paradigm, the longer you stay in that sort of system, the less you will care about anybody else around you. The less you will feel the need to be honest with anyone else around you the more you will feel that it's okay to lie and cover up and tell people anything that they need to hear to keep them away from you so that you can keep doing what you are doing in the dark. So, my wife leaves. And it rattles my world. I actually didn't think she would leave. Now, you have to know that I was losing my mind to think that I could be perpetually cheating on my wife, betraying her trust, lying to her daily, doing this over and over and over and over again, and think that somehow she's not going to leave. That's the other thing. Lust will cause you to, like, lose your mind if you keep giving in to it. Well, uh, that was the start of a recovery for me. That was back in uh, 99. And so it's been 10 years that I've been in recovery. And when I say being in recovery, basically what that means is I've been returning... Progressively, day by day, to the lover of my soul. It's been allowing Christ to be the center of my life. No longer me in the center, Christ in the center. And guys, it makes all the difference in the world. When, when you are in the center of your life, I promise you this, things will fall apart. They will. And praise God that they do, because if they didn't, we wouldn't see our need for God. I mean, if your life didn't fall apart when you were in control of it, then why what do we need God for So don't necessarily get angry at God when your life falls apart because you've got a stranglehold on you and say, I'm going to do it my way. Instead, drop to your knees and say, thank you, God, that I need you and that you can provide a way for me to live a life that is honoring you. Well, that began my journey of trying to learn what is it going to take to live a life of purity. And uh, thankfully, there have been some good things that have come out of that. Incredible things that have come out of that. One of the things that God told me at the beginning of my journey was that he gave me a promise in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And it simply says this, The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. If you get When you get to the point of humility, when you get to the point of brokenness, where God is saying, listen, I don't want you to do it your way anymore, and you finally say, okay, I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to do it your way. The great thing about that is God will always extend hope out in front of you. Because it's often pretty ugly when we look at our own sin. And it should be. Sin is ugly. If you're willing to look honestly in the mirror about what you have been starting to engage in or been engaging in concerning your lust, it's not going to be a pretty picture. Because there's a lot of selfishness involved in it. There's pride. There is certainly sin uh, as far as the types of behaviors you get involved in. And it's ugly. But the good news is that God, can, God will say, Listen, what, what's out ahead of you is better than where you are right now. The end of the matter is better than it's beginning. And the way God proved that to me in my life was He restored my marriage after nine months of separation. That's a miracle. We shouldn't, I shouldn't be married to the same woman, and yet God restored our marriage. The other thing is He gave us kids. I have three kids. Those kids shouldn't exist. They, they should not exist at all, and yet God, He tells us in Psalm 103, He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And so as far as the East is from the West, He casts our sins away from us, or away from Himself. So, the end of a matter is better than the beginning. And then he did the unthinkable. He actually said, I want you to have a ministry. I want you to actually do something to help other people who are hiding the secret, who are struggling, who are saying, on the outside, I have no sin. Yet on the inside, they're decaying because of their lust. And at first, I was very reluctant to go into ministry. For a number of reasons, not the least of which being, I didn't really want to tell my story. It's not fun, you know, to tell people just how horribly you've goofed up and the stupid things you've done. I mean, there is nothing fun, guys, about telling other men, over and over and over again, the story of me cheating on my wife. There's nothing fun about that. And yet God kept saying, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. And guys, there will come a time in your life if you're willing to go on this journey toward purity, if you're willing to take a stand, if you're willing to say, listen, God, your way, not my way, when it comes to how you manage your sexuality, there will come a time in which He will challenge you to help another brother. God is not only interested in changing your life. Because the interest that He has in changing your life and in helping you become a man of purity, is because He actually has other people in mind in your life that He wants you to impact. See, this is the whole changing in thinking that we have to have. Lust says, it's all about me, self, self, self. We never care or look at anybody else. God says, you're going to be honest, probably be grossly misunderstood by a lot of people because it's tough to get out there and say, you know what, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. And by the way, I've been on this journey 10 years. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, okay? And so it's hard to do that, but at the same time, you start getting your eyes off yourself and you get it onto other people. And you see, there's a greater purpose in your life than simply you being able to resist temptation and you being able to walk in purity. The greater purpose is that God wants to use you in somebody else's life to be a beacon of hope and to help them change. I want to tell you three things. I want to give you three passages that will hopefully help you on your journey. The first one is in 1 Thessalonians. And you know what? This one radically changed my perspective because, guys, I really did think for the longest time that my sexuality was inherently evil. I mean, it really did. I thought just being a sexual being had to be wrong. They say that on average, a man thinks about sex every 11 seconds. Yikes. Now, are we going to be honest about that? Or are we going to tell everybody, Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm pious. I don't think about sex at all. Uh, let's not do that, okay? Okay. Let's be honest and say, yeah, I do. And it's a struggle. And it's difficult. It's difficult to manage my mind. It's difficult to have boundaries. It's difficult to get in the Word and let my mind be protected from this stuff. It's difficult. Let's be honest about it. Guys, I'm, I'm right there with you. Don't think that because I'm older than you, don't think that because I'm in full-time ministry, that's a sexual purity ministry. Do not think for a moment that I don't struggle with temptations that come my way. Sexual temptations that want me to divert my mind and start thinking, spinning a fantasy. Or maybe even going back into my history, going back into my past and pulling up an encounter and starting to think about that. Do not think that those kind of things don't happen to me. They do. And it's a struggle, and we need to be honest about it. But one of the things we also need to be honest about is how we were designed. 1 Thessalonians 4, God tells us very clearly what He wants from us. In verse 3 it says, it is God's will. Well, there you go. Very clear, right? I mean, a lot of times guys will ask throughout their lifetime, hey, what's God's will for my life? Here you go. Here's one of them. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. What is God saying? Listen, this is what I want for you. This is what I want for you, is to, that you be set apart, that you not be like the people who don't even know God. They're they're following their natural inclination. They're following their sin nature because they don't know God. But you, because you know God, there's a different calling on your life as it pertains to your sexuality. And that is, abstain from it. Stay away from it. But, but you know what? I want to go a little bit further because I always had those verses read to me when I was a kid. And certainly I... I understood it. It's like, okay, don't do that. Don't be involved in sexual immorality. And let's all agree, pornography in any form is sexual immorality, okay? I, I don't want to be unclear about that. Because some, unfortunately, the, the bar keeps getting moved and moved and moved, when it seems like in each generation, to where what's considered pornography is just being um, becoming casual. You know, uh, I have a friend of mine, Gene McConnell, who he does a a slide presentation. And it's a pretty provocative slide presentation, but he basically shows what the cover of the 1959 Playboy magazine was and the cover of a uh, 2004 GQ magazine. You want to take a guess at which one was way more provocative The 2004 GQ cover. And so we start redefining pornography in each generation. But what it says in verse 7 is what really captured my attention early on in my recovery. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Do you know what that means? You were made for purity. That's the first thing I really want you to get. You were made for purity. How many of you are able to drive? Okay. What do you have to keep putting in that car for it to run? Gas, right? Okay. So your car was made to run on gas, right? So if I took a bucket of sand and went and poured it in your gas tank, after you beat me up, would your car run very well? No, you made it halfway down the block and then it would just die out. Why? It was not made to run on sand in the gas tank. That's exactly what God is talking about here. You and I as men, as real men, we were not made to run on pornography in our minds. We were not made to run on lust in our minds. We were not made to run on that. He says, I haven't called you to be impure, but to live a holy life. You were made for purity. You will always function best when you run on God's holiness, when you run on purity. So this has helped me a lot in temptation, and I hope it will help you. So the next time you see, next time you're in a tempting situation, maybe you find yourself alone at home staring at a computer screen, and it's begging you to start Google searching images. And looking at pornography, think in your mind that's sand. Or next time, let's say you're at school and uh, some, you know, some guys are pressuring you into hitting on a girl, or saying, or being part of some sexual jokes. You can say, "Wait, that's sand." And so every time you're faced with a sexual temptation, you, you can say, "I can, I can either put sand in my system." Or I can flee this situation. I can flee sexual immorality. And I can be running on what God has said I should run on. The other one is found in the next thing is found in First Corinthians chapter ten. And it says this in verse thirteen No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Guess what, guys? You will never face anything in your life that somebody else before you has not faced. So let's get over ourselves, okay? We're not the only ones who have faced anything that we face in our lives. No no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, I love that. Did you know when you are tempted? You can count on it, guys. It doesn't say if you are tempted. It says when you are tempted. You're going to be tempted. And my guess is if your life is anything like my life, you're going to be tempted Every day. To some degree or another. You're going to be tempted every day. But this is the good part. When you are tempted, He, God, will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Here's the second thing I want you to remember. So the the first thing is that you were made for purity. The second thing I really want you to remember is that God will always provide a way out of every temptation you face. There is always a way out. I can't tell you how many times... During my addiction, I deceived myself into thinking, well, I have to do this. I have to do this particular activity because there's no way out. That's a lie. Every single temptation has a way out, and it's actually hand-delivered by God Himself. God's the one who provides the way out. And you know what? It may not come in the way you're thinking. I always thought, well, if God's going to deliver a way out, it needs to have a huge neon sign and say, this way, and just show me exactly the way out. Often it's more subtle than that. You know, there were times where my wife would leave the house, and I'd go to get on the Internet, and just as I'm sitting down to get on the Internet, the cat would jump up on the keyboard, a way out. Or other times when I was going to get on the internet, a bird would start yakking outside the window. Or an Avon lady would knock on the door. See, a way out can be something that gets you distracted from you trying to go down that path of the temptation. And those are hand-delivered by a gracious God who loves us and says, Listen, you're not going to run well on that sand. It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I won't forgive you. It's not that I don't care about you. It's actually because I care about you that I keep providing these ways out. And finally, the last thing I want you to grab a hold of is found in Romans 8. And this may be the most important thing of all. Because see, guys, shame is a huge part of this. When you've got a secret sexual struggle when you've got something that you're not telling anybody about shame will come in on you and it'll often sound like this you can't possibly say you're a Christian if you do these things or it'll sound like this hey haven't you already asked forgiveness for that like a thousand times God's going to run out of grace for you there's no forgiveness for a guy who complete, continues to do those things over and over again shame will start pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding, and pounding at you Because the longer that thing stays in the dark, the more the shame will start yelling in your ear. But God's Word says something different. In Romans 8, verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation. And then later, in this very same chapter, at the very end, Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, this is the third thing I want to leave you with. And it's so important, no matter what kind of rocky road you go through in your struggle with your lust. You can always know this. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, that you could ever do that would make God love you less. Nothing. There is nothing that could make Him love you less. If you're a believer, guess what? There's no condemnation for you. So get busy learning what it means to live in purity. Get busy running on the fuel of God's holiness in you. Get busy being honest with each other and saying, listen, I don't have it all together. I'm struggling, okay? I'm not going to lie and say I don't have any sin. I do. And I need some help for it. But there's no condemnation and there's nothing you could ever do to make God love you any less. If you don't know the Lord, guess what? He's going to chase you in this way. He's going to chase you. Because His grace will always, will always extend farther than your sin. Now, I would say that I dare you on that, but I, I don't want you to do that, okay? I don't want to dare you to see how much you can sin, to just see, prove that God's grace will extend beyond that. Just take His word for it, okay? Grace will always extend beyond your sin, and remember, there's nothing you could ever do that would make God love you any less. Guys, if you want to grow up and you most you're grown up, but I mean if you want to continue growing up as a man of purity, you're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to say I don't have it all together. And you're going to have to keep saying I don't have it all together. And you're going to have to rest in his grace. And you are going to have to start looking Looking for the promised ways of escape that He says He's going to bring your way. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, that not only do You save us, but You keep us. And even as we struggle... And understanding what it's going to, be to mean to be a man of purity. Even as we struggle with the mounting temptations that come our way in this particular culture. And how everything seems to get sexualized in our culture. We thank you that you are a God who keeps your promises. And that you promise a way of escape. Lord, help us to be better at looking for that way of escape. Lord, help us to know that you have designed us for purity. That we weren't meant to run on lust. We weren't meant to run on sin. We were meant to run on your very own holiness flowing through us. And so Lord, help us to open ourselves up. So that we would not try to do this in our own strength. But that we would allow you to do it through us. And finally, Father, I pray that you would help us to realize that even as jagged as our lives can be and as poorly as we can do this thing called life, Your love is unconditional. You love us forever and ever and ever. Lord, help us to lock arms with each other, knowing that we cannot do this alone, that it's going to take the help of others. Lord, I pray for these guys in this room, that You would give them courage to talk to one another, to be honest about their sin, and then to pray for each other and to... Continue to hold one another accountable Throughout the days and weeks and months ahead We love you Lord And thank you that you first loved us We pray this all in Jesus name Amen
1: Guys let's thank Jonathan for coming out tonight. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your story with us and, and sharing those words uh, from God's Word. Um, whenever this topic of pornography and sexual purity comes up, it's always one that uh, I think is makes me really scared for you guys. And um, I say that because when I was in high school, we didn't have the Internet. I didn't have access to the Internet. Um, access was what prevented me from becoming an addict in that way. That's the only thing because I would have had I had that kind of access. Um, and and for me, it was an issue of, uh you know, I knew that if I had access to something like that, that I would be, I, w- I would become that. And so I knew that when I was in college, I couldn't have internet in my room or um, I would look at stuff. I knew that was going to happen so I didn't have it in my room. Um, whenever... Uh, even when I got married, um, I knew that if if I have cable TV, if I had access to certain channels um, we don 't have movie channels in my house, but there 's a couple channels that are questionable at best and uh, and I told my wife i said look i don 't want access to these two or three channels like here 's a parent code you 're not my parent, but i don 't trust myself." Because I'm unrighteous, and I'm saying this to you guys not to build myself up and to seem self-righteous. Hopefully, my words are showing you how unrighteous I really am. And and so I said, I can't, I can't have access to these channels. I want to have you have a parent code on these channels, so I can't, I can't look at this ever. Um, same thing with the computer. She has complete access to my computer and all those things because I know that I'm unrighteous and I would easily fall. And so whenever I'm talking to high school guys, whenever I'm with high school guys about this topic, I always want to make sure we stress that you need to do whatever it takes to cut temptation, the sources of temptation, out of your life, especially in this area. I'm talking about drastic measures, okay? That means if, if Internet's a problem, you have the Internet in your room, that you've cut that thing out. You say, Mom, Dad, I don't want internet in my room anymore, and here's why. Because I'm really unrighteous. You be honest about it. That if television is a big problem, if your parents have HBO and Cinemax and all the channels that have uh, porn flicks on those channels, that you do whatever it takes to cut the temptation out of your life. Because believe me, as he said you need to flee sexual immorality there's never a verse that says no no stay right there and, and just try really hard no because God knows that we're weak and you've got to flee you, you cannot you will never win that battle you never will if you're someone who um, struggles with pornography with magazines or whatever it is, that, that you find someone to hold you accountable to keep you from going to certain shops and buying certain kinds of magazines. If you've got internet on your phone and you look at stuff on your phone, that you do whatever it takes to cut that temptation out of your life. Cancel your internet on your phone, do whatever it takes. because guys, I'm telling you that that the the, the deception you fall into in high school especially, is this. You're duped into thinking that pornography is like tiding, you're like tiding yourself over until you get married. You think that, okay, this is just while I'm a teenager in high school, and then when I get married, it'll all be over. I'll be past it. And that is the biggest lie that Satan wants you to believe. And I just can't encourage you guys to do that enough. That, that whatever the sources of temptation are, that you cut those things off because you will not win those battles just by trying real hard. You won't. You're a sexual being; you're created that way, and God meant it to be expressed in a certain way. And the culture that we live in is trying its best to take you down and to destroy you. And my wife is a counselor. And I can't tell you how many men, how many couples come into her office with marriages on the rocks, marriages that have been destroyed um, through pornography, through affairs, and so on. And it started with looking at something. It started with the eyes. That's where it all began. And so I encourage you guys to, to think through those things seriously, and to take them seriously, to take action seriously. Um... We're going to go to some small group time right now. I know it's getting late, but I think you know this is man camp, so we're going to push through. And uh, and so, um, what we're going to do is each team is going to go to one of the breakout rooms. There's six of them along these back hallways. Just pick one, and go to that. And before you break up, though, uh, you do have some discussion sheets to go through. I I do know it's a lot to cover in a half hour, but um, just maybe hit the highlights. If you're one of the discussion group leaders, go through the Live Bold material. I and mean, maybe just ask a few of the questions that are listed there. Then go through the Live Pure material and go through a few of the questions there. I am going to ask, um, uh, if you're not a discussion group leader uh if If any of the dads are still here, I guess a couple of them are still here. If the dads could, could remain in here i 'd like to have a sit down with um with Jonathan and Matt as well with some of you dads and just have some discussion about how to handle some of these issues with um from a dad 's perspective as well so we 'll stay in here with the dads and uh Did you have something else, Matt that you wanted to say yes. So, I know discussions might go long in your breakouts, but just try to keep it to about a half hour and come in here, come back in this room, and we'll give out our shirts uh, for the team that won. So, all right, let's go ahead and break out. No matter where I go, now you can go wherever. How much are the shirts? Ten bucks. Wait, yeah, for the non winning team.